Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. And we're doing things a little bit different this episode, as you might already have gathered. We'll still have Fife fans on with the guys, but we thought we would try and just incorporate them in the whole show. This time around, we'll be talking about East Fife's win over Forfar, We'll be looking at a number of other issues on Scottish football. So let's just get straight into it. An East Fife win. 2-0 over Forfar at New Bayview. Very comfortable in the end. I think the big question, though, coming out of it, guys, was just how pish are Forfar? They were shocking this afternoon, Lee. Overwhelmingly, sugarly, terribly bad. I was going to say a swear word there, but I've promised that again. I'll try not to swear this week. They were awful. Um, you know, the the forfeit players were clearly distancing from the bar, and by the bar I mean Bobby because he was absolutely dreadful. Um, he barely kicked a ball the entire game, and I, I must admit he's always got a knack against scoring against us and getting it right up us. So I was really glad to to see him on the end of, although it wasn't a a trouncing win, it still felt like a comprehensive victory, so definitely take that. I mean, Doug, it was it was very one-sided. It was as comprehensive a victory as we've seen this season. At the end of the day, though, it was just two goals. I, I'm saying four for were pish, but I mean, did we make them look pish, or were they really pish? Uh, no, no, I think they're pretty pish. Um, I thought we played very well, but... <sighs> At no point in that game did you think that normally in a game you'd expect that the away team or the opposition to have a spell. And I reckon the only spell they had was an injury time at the end of the game where we just had a couple of switch-offs and they had a couple of corners. But apart from that, I mean, that was as easy and comfortable a win as you'll see at this level. If I was a Forfer fan, I would be unbelievably worried. I mean, that's that's... For me, if they play that all season, they will be 10, 20 points adrift at the bottom. They were dire, really bad. Definitely the worst team uh, I think we've seen so far. And I mean, maybe they're going to be like East Fife. Maybe they're going to be different at home and they're just going to be crap uh, away from home. But I mean, Gordon, that was kind of the confidence boosting win that we needed heading into it. Little bit of apprehension because it was a big game. We needed to get a 
we needed to get some kind of response from the team after what happened last week. And we got it. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the downsides of, of the performance, which was the lack of chances that were put away. But I mean, we've got to be fairly comfortable and happy coming away from that one. Yeah, definitely. When we said last week that it was it was an important game and I think after the Peterhead game, poor result, poor performance, you feel like you really need, you know, you can't let that fester. You want to get you want to get a good result and a good performance in straight away. Um, and we did it today, very comfortable. I thought Forfar were by some distance the worst team we've seen this season, but you know, we still played well. We still won two 0 and it could have been a lot more. So definitely happy, definitely take it. Yeah, the the stats. I mean, it was dominant. I was just trying to get them up in the on the BBC here, but for some reason they're they're not loading up. But I mean, in the first half, I think the the possession at halftime was something like sixty forty. Oh, here's here's the stats coming up now. So I mean, it finished possession wise fifty four to forty six. Sixteen shots for us, one shot for four for. And that one shot for them wasn't even on target. Six shots on target from 16 for us, Lee, which is maybe the the disappointing thing to take from this. We got the two goals, but that was a, a two-goal win going on five, six, seven maybe if we'd actually had our shooting boots on and got some more shots on target. Although we do have to give a, a big shout out to the four for keeper who did produce a couple of cracking saves as well. Yeah, that, that save, and I put it in the group chat when he saved it, I was like, yes! Oh, that's not in. And then Dougie uh, proceeded to insult me as he usually does in the group chat. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll take the we'll take the 2 nil win. Kudos to the keeper, who I thought not only was he good with his hands today, but equally impressive with his feet. Sort of uh, a poundland Manuel Neuer, if you will. But, you know, he, he definitely um, did pretty well taking on Ryan Wallace a couple of times. No, I, I think that, look, for as much that it was only 2-0, it could have definitely been 5 or 6. I, I still don't know how Danny Denner missed that that first header. Like, I, mm. I still keep thinking, you know, he's going to go to his bed tonight and shut his eyes and that's going to flash across his face, you know, a million times over. It's one of those ones where you're sitting on the couch and your neck's extending because you're trying to put it in. But I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd have scored it. Yeah, I mean, Denham had a, a few chances. We'll get into all of that. Let, let's start things off, Doug, by looking at the, the lineup today. Just the one change from the team from last week, which surprised me in some ways because I thought after that performance, he might want to freshen it up. Or was this a case of thinking on Darren Young's part, look, this is my strongest team. This is a game we have to win. Not going to experiment. I'll give them one one more shot at it. I mean, the big change was Liam Watt. People had been asking him to come in the team. He came in for Newton today. Did well. Heard his name a lot this afternoon. But were you surprised that there was just that one change? Not really, Michael. I think, um, I think as we discussed last week, I don't think he's got that many options. I mean, mm. I, I think... I think he'll have his kind of core team and he'll he'll tweak formation or line up a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think he can do much more. We were all kind of, you know, screaming quietly, I guess, for uh, for Liam Watt. We're, I think most of us are big fans and he absolutely, um, you know, backed us up, really. I thought he was excellent today uh, and just... In an unusual position for him, he wasn't out wide. He was 
just just busy in that midfield area. And I, I, I thought he was very good. Um, yeah, whether it would have worked against a better team, I don't know. It's, 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 it's difficult with that half glass full thing of saying that we were very good and the half glass empty of Forfer were really, really guff. But I, I, I just felt that what knitted the midfield a little better together and, and it, you know, Agnew got on the ball a little more and it enabled... Um, it enabled them to play with a little bit more confidence, and that's not a slight at all on Newton, you know, in any shape or form. But um, yeah, we asked for him. He played. He played excellently. So kudos to the management and kudos to Lee Mott. I thought they were very good. I, I was impressed. I mean, the midfield at first in the first half it, it seemed to be bypassed a little bit. We were kind of just like lumping it over, but then. After that first goal went in, we kind of started knocking it about a little bit. Second half, we were kind of knocking it about a bit. I mean, it's a good point, Gordon, that, that Doug raises there. It's like, you want to say, oh, it was a, a good, comfortable win, created lots of chances, moved the ball about well. But you're kind of tempering that by saying, but then Forfer really went very good. For a team just to have one effort, on goal in the whole game kind of shows you just how dominant East Fife were in this. Let, let's look at the the moment that kind of changed the game, which was Hamilton's opening goal, 28th minute. I mean, it was coming up to that point. We, we could have been three, maybe four up, but by that stage already, we had some easier chances than the one that Hamilton put away. But it's another contender for goal of the season already. And it was a fantastically well-taken strike by Hamilton. Yeah, he did really well. And it was a kind of, you feel like it's maybe becoming a bit of a typical Hamilton goal. Mm. It was a good um, a good long ball to the back from Murdoch. And Hamilton just kind of chased it. He kind of muscled out the defender a bit. You know, he gets himself a sniff of goal. He takes a shot. And um, I mean, it looked like he had a very, <clears throat> very small area of the goal to, to kind of aim for. I don't know if the keeper got a touch or I think it kind of hit off, hit off the post a wee bit. But yeah, it was a difficult chance. And we did we did have easier ones through the game. Um, but it was just, you know, it's quite typical Hamilton in that he just kind of, he gets a sniff and he kind of fights for it. Um, and he's, it was a good goal. Um, but oh, it was definitely coming. I mean, you know, we did miss chances. But it was one of these games where you know, I got mentioned in the commentary. Sometimes, if you if you play for the first half hour and you've missed some really good chances, you think to yourself, "Oh, we're going to get punished for this." You know, mm. or for I'll get a goal and it'll be a sickener. I never thought that. I just thought we're going to continue to get chances. We probably will get a goal. For for aren't doing anything here, um, but obviously, yeah, uh, you, you maybe would have got worried if we went in no no at half time. But I had a, a small fear at just going in 1-0 at half time just because you don't know what half time team talk's going to be if you're the four for management team when you've got those guys in at half time you're going to be tearing them to shreds because you're going to be like what the hell was that performance and you would then expect them to go out and be better in the second half thankfully for us they, they weren't although again I think we maybe didn't let them play that much as well but I mean, Lee, going just back to what Gordon said there, to, to describe that as kind of like a, a typical Hamilton goal, it, it is. And that's like an incredible thing to say because he has got an eye for the spectacular. 
he's got that in his arsenal. He's got that finish. And he was coming off a, a performance last week where he just wasn't at the races. I don't know if it was just that we were getting the ball to him a little bit more today or he was just managing to make things happen against that kind of worst defence. But, I mean, that is what he's capable of. We just have to get the ball to him more in the box. Yeah, it's, it's going to be the case. Uh, feed the jack and he will score. Um, if, if the guy gets service and, and how many chances he takes, uh, how many chances he, he gets, he'll take one. You know, I think that he's going to be one of those strikers, you know, he'll, he'll miss some. If he wasn't missing any, he would be playing a lot higher than he would be with mm-hmm. us. So, you know, I'm confident you, you give him three, four chances in a game, he'll score one of them. And equally, he's, he's got such a variety of goals in his arsenal, whether it be outside the box. You know, we've seen him score from outside the box, seen him score with his head. We've seen him, um, you know, be, be on a composed finish. His goal today was excellent. You know, it's, it's going to be the Jack Hamilton show at the end of the season awards. Um, for goal of the season, for sure. Yeah, maybe even player of the season as well, the, the way that he's going. But, I, I mean, at halftime, did you have any concerns, Doug, that Forfer might come in, that we might rue just having that that one goal lead? Or, or like Gordon, were you pretty pretty confident it was going to be a, a win after that? Uh, yeah, I mean, not really. I, I wouldn't say you had any concerns, but obviously it's football and we know how it works. Um, so, yeah, there, I mean, even, I'll be honest, even when we're tuning a lot in injury time, we gave away a silly corner and you thought, they score now. <laughs> I mean, that's how football fans work. But no, I, I thought I thought we controlled the game from start to finish. I mean, their, their fullback had two foul throws in the first half. I mean, that's unheard of in the game. Yeah. They, had, they, they had Mark Hill, who I think has the same belly as me, which is, is ridiculous at this level of football. Lee's shaking his head there, and he's quite right. My belly is much bigger. However, I am not masquerading as a soccer star. Uh, I, I'll, I'll <laughs> is honest, he, though? See, see, at any level of professional football, genuinely... It's kind of like I was jokingly talking about Danny Swanson's gloves last week and how it, you know it shouldn't be seen on a football pitch. You cannot, and I'm stressing this very firmly, you cannot as a team have a player that looks like that. You can't. I'm, I'm sorry. If we had a player, it doesn't matter. See if Scott Agnew had come in after preseason and had put on, I don't know, the equivalent of about seven stone, I wouldn't want him playing for us because it looks terrible. I mean, it looked... I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'm just being so over the mark here, but it just looks like you're suddenly, oh, we're playing a pub team today. Yeah, it, very Mark Yardley-esque. Although he managed to to put the ball in the net whilst he was that shape. So maybe don't knock that. I don't know. Those in that in fat houses shouldn't they throw cakes, so I'm not really going to say much. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he definitely was not in the shape of fitting a footballer by, by any stretch of the imagination, no. I always remember um, we played uh, Peterhead when Peterhead got promoted from League Two maybe four or five years ago. And uh, it, for our maybe slightly older listeners, uh, Bobby Mann, who I, I will say this instantly, I would have had him at Bayview in a heartbeat. He was a superb centre-half, superb. His reading of the game was incredible, but he was a bat bastard. There's no two ways about it. And I always had this image of him appearing after pre-season training and the manager going, 
Oh, Bobby. But, uh, Bobby, we talked about this. We talked about this, Bobby. I'm sorry, Gaffer. The cakes were just too strong because he, he he played at Bayview and he was like, it, he was bursting out his shorts. But he, he was outstanding. But Mark Hill was not in the same league as, uh, as Bobby Mann. But I, it, I might, just it, was too, it might just have been a tough lockdown for him. I mean, lots of folk put on weight. I, I've actually, like, genuinely been quite surprised as to how fit these players are looking after lockdown. Like when they came back in October, I know they're professional footballers, but it, to, to keep yourself fit and to, to not put on the pounds, I don't know, that, that's impressive. But I think there's a huge pride. I, I think these guys are very proud of what they do. If it's part-time level or not, I think there's, I think there's a real pride in being a part-time footballer, you know, at any level and, and I think most of them will massively try their hardest to keep in shape and it mm. must be tough going around jobs and stuff but yeah I, I, just, you know, I think when you see a guy who's not quite in shape it, it's it sticks out like a sore thumb but, but he can, he can still go what's that even Tardite that's the one that strikes oh. the mind oh Basically, yeah Mark Hill is my spirit spirit animal I, I actually love him yeah. but I mean you can still Go to the pubs and go, yeah, I'm a professional footballer. I play for four for. Give me a bridey and a pint, you prick. <laughs> uh, you, just, you just don't notice it. That's the thing. Mm. Like that, I think that shows where part time football is, is, has progressed since we started watching East Fife in the yeah. late, you know, 80s or whatever, or 70s. Or, it, it has progressed. You, you just don't see it anymore. And it really is very noticeable. Bless Mark Hill. I mean, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I, yeah. I just go off on another tangent. There's a lot of like young guys, Canadian guys that come over to play in Europe and they, they go to play in like fifth or sixth tier in Germany or some third division in Romania or up in Scandinavia. And you're like, why on earth are you doing that? And then I spoke to a few of the guys when they've come back and it's just, they love the lifestyle of being a footballer. They're maybe in a, a place like the size of metal, leaving, and they can go out and it's like, oh, yeah, I play for whatever weird third-tier team it is. And they get mobbed and they just like that lifestyle. And, yeah, I mean, it just, you maybe don't fully appreciate it because it is tough to do a part-time job and to be a footballer. Have to keep yourself fit as well. But anyway, that, that's a whole other aside. Let's get into the second half now. We've kind of gone off tangent a little bit. And it was more dominance in the, in the second half, Gordon. Eventually, the second goal came. And I, I think everyone had their money that Danny Denham would make it two from two. Uh, he is prolific. He's now, he's a streaky player. And now he's on a two-goal streak. Yeah, well, I mean... I think I made a comment, you know, he's, he's lethal when he's presented with an open goal from five yards. So both, <laughs> both of his goals were like that. Um, but, oh, yeah, I mean, it was coming. I thought we were we were better in the second half than we were in the first. And part of that was maybe for being a wee bit more open. I felt we had a lot more space in the second half. I think we created even better chances to score. Um, but we did need that second. I mean, as much as, as much as we're saying, you know, maybe we weren't too worried one, you can never, you can never settle. You know, it's just a mistake or whatever. Um, so the, the second goal was really important, um, and it was good as much as much as the finish was kind of a bit of an easy one. Um, it was good, good build up. Wallace did well. Denham did well to get into the position. Um, 
but I, I think I think the second goal pretty much killed it because mm. um, Forfar created very little. Eye. They had two or three corners at the end, um, but I think um, you know a lot of their chances were only coming from maybe you know a mistake we were making, maybe yeah, just in their own half or something like that. You know, that was the only thing they were they were creating. And it happened a couple of times, but no, second goal killed the game. We needed three attempts to put it away, but I mean, it, it did get put away in the end. And I, I mean, I, I don't, you know me, I don't like to throw people under the bus, Lee, but I do believe you were calling for Denham to be subbed at halftime. Yeah, and I stand by that. I think that um, that Danny, by his own admission, didn't have a good first half, and. I really want to see more of Swanson and not just because we sponsor him. I think that <laughs> he's definitely a player that's got the ability to change a game. And I just felt that we had a lot of half chances, but maybe if Swanson had come on, we would have created a bit more. I think that Denham, don't get me wrong, went on to have a much better second half. And that's why Darren Young gets paid to um, a football manager's salary. And I didn't, but, you know, I think, yeah, Look, fair enough. As Gordon said, Danny was lethal from five yards. Kudos to him for his, his excellent finish, but equally he probably could have had about three. So mm. I, I'm still a little bit perplexed at our, our late substitutions as well. And, and we've got, I mean, today was was crying out for a couple of changes. You know, we, we brought on Kevin Smith. And by the way, congratulations to Kevin on, on 200 appearances, now 201. Um, excellent for a, a modern day football um, modern day footballer at this level for sure but you know Danny Danny Swanson sitting on the bench and you know I, I managed to have a quick word with him during the week and he's saying that he's he's fit you know he, there was a bounce game against Sterling on Tuesday I don't know if anybody knows what the score was but yeah. I would uh, I'd like to have seen Danny today when we were in so much control of that game get on and, and maybe get a goal or an assist to, to boost his confidence a bit See, I, w- I was wondering about that though, because it's like I th- when he didn't come on, it it looks like they're saving him. Like he's our luxury guy that we can bring on the bench, and if we're up in a game, we can just kind of keep him on the bench until he gets up to full fitness. He's not going to be there on, on on pennies, you know, we can't afford to be paying Danny Swanson three hundred pound a week, three hundred twenty five pound a week, whatever it is that he's on, to have him as a luxury player. Now. But are, are they worried though that if they play him, he's going to just re-injure himself? So they're they're thinking, let's just save him for the second half of the season. That hopefully there will be a second half of the season. I don't know. I don't know. I would just be more hopeful that he, he gets on and he gets her in the games because, you know, there's a difference between fit and match fit. And yeah. getting him in games as much as we can is, is so, so important. We can't afford to have a player like that rotten on our bench. If we're not thinking that he's going to ever be fit or he's, he's never going to kick a ball for us, then let him go somewhere and play football and we can utilise that money elsewhere on, on, on places that we need to improve the pitch if, if they don't think that, that Danny's going to be an improvement in what we've got or whatever, I don't know. But I would much rather see him on the pitch and, and give him a chance because he's, he's too much a good player to be wasted. Yeah, from, from talking to like coaches and stuff over here, the general feeling is if you're match fit, like if you've just signed a guy and he's just come to the club and he's match fit, it's going to take them about three weeks to actually get up to the speed of play. Oh, sorry, being match fit as opposed to just being fit. So, I mean, you're only going to get that fitness by playing in games. And if we're not bringing them on, 
I mean, the flip side of what I said is this is the kind of game to bring him on, Doug, because you're comfortable and it's like it doesn't matter too much how he does, but it gets him a bit of a run out. Do you think they are just kind of saving him and kind of nursing that injury a little bit? There's two ways to look at it. I mean, at the time you're going, right, Forfer aren't going to do anything, so let's get him on and give him half an hour, you know, to boost his, his match fitness. The commentators were actually saying, no, let's not do that because 2 0 is a dangerous lead, etc., which, which I get, absolutely. Look, we know what Danny Swanson can do historically. We don't know what he can do now. Um, he could easily be going to the training with a terrible attitude and doing nothing and not, you know, putting his, his you know, tuppence worth in. And the management are going, do you know what? It, it's not, it's not right at the moment. It's not. He's not ready to do this. He's not ready to do that. We don't know. It's a big adjustment from his whole career to suddenly going part time. Maybe he's not adjusted to it the way that he thought he would or the the management team thought he would. Um, I. I Obviously, I think as a fan, you want to see him play because potentially he's very exciting player to watch, and and you know that that's what we're that that was the marquee signing we were all very excited about, and and still are to an extent. But I think again, we have to trust the management. There's a reason he's not playing, and we just don't know what it is. But I, I've got you've got to put the trust in the management on this. I mean, Gordon, looking at the subs, there was just the two this afternoon and they were both late coming on. Do you think it should have been freshened up a, a little bit sooner? Watching the game, I wanted some early subs and I think, but I kind of agree with Doug. It's like, as a fan watching it, you're like, right, you know, we're 2-0 up. I would quite like to see Swanson get half an hour, 45 minutes. I'd quite like to see Collins get half an hour, mm. 45 minutes because... I just want to, you know, I just, I just want to see them get that amount of time. I want to see what they can do, um, in in what feels like a little bit of a, a kind of no pressure environment. You know, I'm I'm assuming we're going to beat four four. Let's just see what they can do. But I totally appreciate that it's a it's a different situation for Dan Young. You know, he's he's got to be a wee bit more responsible about it. Two 0 isn't an unassailable lead, and if he feels you know, he's just got to be a bit more ruthless. And if he feels keeping the guys we've got us there on pitch is, you know, going to give us the best chance of seeing out the game, that's what he's got to do. And I think he has kind of earned, you know, as a fan, he's kind of earned my trust. So um, whilst I'm sitting here and I, I do want to see these guys get a game, at the same time, I'm I'm not going to criticise because, um, yeah, Dan Young... It's probably got better judgment than I do about this, so I'm perfectly happy to just uh, let him go on with it. That's that's fair enough. It, it did seem though, Lee, that like this was the ideal opportunity to give Collins a bit of a longer run out. Like we talked about in last week's show, he's only been getting a few minutes when he comes on. He could have got a good fifteen or twenty minutes here just to see what he could do. Maybe try and get his his pace into the game, get him up to speed. The fact that he didn't come on is maybe quite telling as to to how he's viewed just now. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said before, that from what I've seen uh, in Thomas Collins, I'm not sure if he's cut out for this level or not, but equally, I've not seen enough of him to give me a, a sort of more rounded opinion. So 
Yeah, t- games like today are, are really important to, to give the French players an opportunity to show they could do it. Was, it was clear watching that game that Forfar were, you know, to quote Conor McGregor, they were going to do nothing. They were going to do absolutely nothing. That, you know, there, was, there was nothing from them that worried me at all today. So, you know, bring on somebody like Collins, you know, maybe give Hamilton a bit of a rest, you know, when we're 2-0 up. You know, bring him off, you know, put Kevin Smith up top, put Danny Swanson on. Or even, again, I've said it already, some, maybe somebody like Aidan McLaughlin, bring him on, get him some minutes on the pitch. We seem to be very keen to, to use Liam Newton, but we're not giving sort of Aidan McLaughlin that sort of chance either. So I think that, yeah, Darren does seem to be pretty reserved in his substitutions. Um, we, we tend to see them come in from sort of 77 minutes onwards rather than a little bit earlier. So... To be honest, I'm not going to complain because we won 2-0. It was a very, very easy win. Great to see us get a clean sheet as well. But it's it's massively important that next Saturday we go on and we, we get a good win away from home as well. Yeah, I mean, that is the big thing. We ha- We haven't put a run together at all this season. And it's like there's no point just doing this at, at home and then not going away and, and taking any points. It will keep us safe at the end of the day in the league if we end up winning all or most of our home games or at least taking points from every game. But we've got to do something all, all on the road as well. And Dumbarton next week, I mean, today, Dumbarton's coming off an absolute humping from Montrose, 4-0 in the end. And we'll, we'll have a quick look at, around League One as well. But... Next week, Doug, we've got to build on this. We we can't have another win one, lose one, and then just keep going like this for the next couple of weeks. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a little horrible part of you would say, just give us a point next week and we can kind of move on. And I'd take and, that. Well, in a way, it's see, a win- it's see, a winnable game, but with our with our away form, a point just I, now seems pleasing. I know I, I I totally agree with you in many ways, but I think it, I think at this level when you're when you're in form, like we were in form after the Erdogan game, we had a great performance, and then it was like flat against Peterhead. We've come into this game, good performance, and a win would be huge because you've got then you've got Falkirk at home, and you can get momentum's massive, and that's one thing that Dan Young's done. You know, they've done as a management duo is that we've got these momentum shifts. Generally, we've gone on big runs of wins, and you know, then we've had sticky patches and mm. just very, very quickly going back to the subs in, in the game today. As a manager, you've got to be so careful. So, in the week um, on Facebook and Pine Boverall, I've personally been fielding ridiculous calls for Young to go. For yes. The- the best one yet for the boards to go, which yeah. is unbelievable. Um, so as a manager, he'll know this. I mean, there's no way, you know, they, they will read these sort of things. So, you know, with, with 20 minutes to go, you're 2-0 up and absolutely cruising against a very poor forfer team. You make a couple of changes to give boys minutes and maybe forfer score a goal and maybe suddenly our arses completely fall out of us and we might draw 2-2. Suddenly his, his you know, the calls for his header like, you know, massive. I, I get it. I, I remember a game four or five years ago when Naismith was in charge at home at Stranar, where 2 0 up with about seven minutes to go, similar game, absolutely cruising. And we put 10 men behind the ball for a corner and it got cleared to nobody, obviously. And there was a guy behind me going, I mean, mental, like, 
apoplectic with rage about the fact that we'd put 10 men behind the ball. And I turned around to him and said, you, you know we're winning 2-0 here. Like, we're, we're actually winning 2-0. So it's like, why would you make ridiculous decisions in the hope of, what, gaining a third goal? You don't need a third goal. You just see it out, you win it. It's professional. That's what you do. And, and I think there was... I think the commentators are right today. I think I, I was texting you guys saying, let's get Swanson on. But do you know what? Get three points. Yeah. Simple as that. Get a confidence boosting big win. Get people off my back and let's go again against them barring them on uh, whatever boxing day or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, talking of, of next week, this is the first time we, this has happened. There's actually some breaking news as we are recording this, which I'll pass over to, to our... Man on the spot, our Westminster reporter, Lee Gillis. Oh, he's texting. That's your big Ben gong for the news, sunshine. Oh, that's what that is. That's oh, what that was. Okay. As of the uh, Boxing Day, just like we were discussing on the uh, the show previously, it's a three-week lockdown from the 26th. Throughout the UK or in Scotland? Scotland. Wow. From the 26th? So yes. is that locking down on Boxing Day or the day yes. after? On Boxing, on Boxing day. day. Yeah, only allowed so, to mix on Christmas uh, Christmas Day. And then from what I've read, like I've just been getting texts through because obviously I run a store. Yeah. So my, my shop will be shut in. Um, it looks like closed for three weeks. What does that mean for, the, for football? Well, I mean, it Northern is- Ireland went into a lockdown this week and all elite sport was cancelled. Now it's questionable. Would you class his Fife as elite sport? But in the in the yes, we would. In the terms of it, it technically is. So I would imagine then that Scottish football um, is I, shut I, down I, for I, three I, weeks. I think that that'll be the case. It's it's tier four restrictions, I believe. Now in Glasgow, tier four, they're still playing football. I don't know, but mm. that just goes to show that this government money. Is coming at an impeccable timing yeah. um, to to keep us going for the foreseeable. Wow, that's quite interesting stuff. Obviously, this is going to be fast developing, and there's going to be changes after this episode comes out. I mean, we weren't going to be having a, a show next week anyway. We had just been talking about because I didn't want to get up at seven a.m. on Boxing Day to watch a game of football. It looks like maybe no one will be watching football. We'll, we'll temper this because we obviously don't know yet about football. But, yeah, we'll have to, to wait and see. If they do follow Northern Ireland's lead, then sport is going to be, be cancelled in, in general. During the game, I'd been kind of keeping track of what was happening in, in England with Boris Johnson and stuff. So I guess we won't, we won't go too much more into that just now, but exciting doing a, a show and getting some breaking news. Let's just wrap this game up because there's some other issues I want to talk about, such as this this government money, which I'm crossing my fingers that the East Fife board, Gordon, acted sensibly. They saw that they were getting this 150,000 and they thought, you know what? We're going to beat Forfer. Let's stick that 150,000 on East Fife to beat Forfer at the bookies. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, we've probably got at least double that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I want from a board. Yeah. I want them making sensible decisions like that. Just putting, just you're playing someone shite, just put it all on a win. You know, just. What could go wrong? Yeah, double the win what? bonus. You know. on, a, on a loss. You can more influence a loss than a win, Gordon. Think big work smart. 
that's that's true. We could have put us put us da- ourselves down at like you know, four for to win by three plus. <laughs> to be fair, four for still wouldn't have won by three. We no. could have chucked that game and they still wouldn't have won. Um, Maybe like if it had been, oh, let's put all the money on East Fife to win two one. And all of a sudden it's 2-0 in stoppage time and our keeper throws the ball in the net and you're like, oh, there we go, that makes sense now. That's that's where these, you know, we're saying that Forfar's only chances were coming from mistakes. That's yeah. where we're mistakes. We're trying to make it 2-1 and Forfar just weren't uh, doing their part. But no, I mean, like, seriously, the board, I think, I mean, the guys in, the guys in place right now, everyone involved in the board and the club, I think... Apart from these nutters on Facebook that Doug's fighting with, I think all these five fans have it's pretty much been universal acclaim for the past few years. And I think they've done a fantastic job and you just you trust them to keep doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Whatever whatever situation we're in and whatever money we get, I basically trust them hundred percent to do what's best for the club. Um I, just I, buy I, Jack Hamilton. Just buy Jack Hamilton. They don't worry about anything else. Just buy him. 150 right on Jack Hamilton. Yeah, I'm up for that. Let's just buy him. Um, I mean, what could be worse? Well, we can sell him on for more later. Again, exactly. it's an invest- you're investing the money. Exactly. As a sales manager, right, all I'm thinking about is you just get get the deal, strike while the hand's hot. Just, just phone Livingston. Well, look, he's, he's scoring some goals, but to be honest, he's not actually that great. We'll take a punt on him. You know, he's, we'll, we'll, we'll give you 10K for him. We'll get them off your wage, uh, your wage books, and you know we'll we'll see what happens. And look, we'll give you ten percent any future fee. So when we sell them for ten million to Real Madrid in a few years' time, then you know we'll we'll still be laughing. Future Scottish Government Finance Minister Lee Gillis sp- speaking in the program there. Oh, showing off his guns as well. It's a gun show today. Wow, I- uh, uh, M- Michael, I would I would love to just 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 very quickly jump in and have a very brief discussion about my chats online uh, last week. Yes, please, um, please do, because your, your post on Pi and Bovril, I thought, was excellent. Some of the yeah, responses... Look, I'm, I'm not, 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 not going to sit here and slag anyone for anything about, about East Fife, because it, it's an emotive subject. We're all extremely passionate about you know what we're watching and, and what's being offered up on the pitch and whatnot, but I just think, for me, it's that realism of where are we? Where are we as a club? As in, where should we be in the standings? Because, you know, you could look at a traditional, let's say, 12 in the Scottish Premier League of, you know, Dundee would be in there um, and probably, I don't know, Ross County would probably be out. You know, just in terms of where we are traditionally. Mm -hmm. For me... East Fife are where we're at. I think we're bang on pretty much where we should be. You know, we're, we're not... I think my shout on on, on Pine Bovril was the very, very occasional stint in the championship and then, you know, maybe get relegated from that and, and, and survive where we are now. I just... I wonder what fans genuinely think and, and where it comes from, that, that thought process of you know, we should be miles better than where we are. I just I just don't know where that comes from. Well, I mean, if, if you look back to nearly 50 years after we got relegated from the top flight in the early 70s, we've never been at the giddy heights. 
after Scottish football got restructured in the mid-70s, we've always been like second or third tier, occasionally fourth tier. So I, I think that is very valid. I think there's some teams you look at, like in our league this year, I mean, if you're being realistic and looking at past achievements, Falkirk and Thistle are not third-tier teams. Airdrie, you could also argue, is not a third-tier team. You could even argue Dunfermline aren't a second-tier team with what they've done over the years. They've been a premier side. But yo-yo, I know. Hearts, obviously, are not a second-tier side. Dundee, Inverness have kind of been up and down a little bit. So, I mean, there's a lot of clubs that could maybe say, we're not where we deserve to be. But I do think, Gordon, East Five probably are where we deserve to be in past history just now. Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you tried to do this thing of taking all 42 clubs and ranking them, you know, and part, part of that is kind of long history and part of that is more recent history. I think you've got to say that we are, kind of our centre of gravity is a sort of mid-table League One club who, yeah, with a, with a good season, we might get to the championship. With a bad season, we might go down. We're probably a little bit more likely to go down than up. But that's, I feel like that's where, you know, that's the kind of middle ground of where we are. I, I do understand, because I think, I mean, one thing you could say is, you know, that's maybe where we should be. When was the last time we punched above that? You know, mid-90s, really. Yeah. Um, and and that didn't go well for that one season in the in the second tier. I mean, we've seen teams that I would say, you know, I think in the general stand in the Scottish football, East Fife, I think it's fair to say, are amongst that group of bigger part-time clubs. And we've seen quite a few of them, you know, Alloa, Arbroath, Dumbarton, even Cowdenbeath going up to the championship and doing okay. And I think if you're being reasonable, you can't you can't say that we should be in the championship and we should be surviving in the championship and all the rest. But I think um, as a fan, you kind of... It's not unreasonable to say I'd, you know, that's what we should be aiming for. Oh, definitely. Like we should have those ambitions. Yeah. And it would be nice to... You know, we seem to hit this kind of glass ceiling at fourth place in League One, which I, I understand why it's quite frustrating, but at the same time, you know, there's loads of clubs going for that. You know, if you're um, you know, Airdrie have been in the third tier for about a decade, you know, clubs like Montrose, um, Clyde, even Peterhead, Forfar, you know, they're all trying to do the same thing and it's it is very difficult. But I think I would agree where we are now is is or where we've been for the last few years is pretty much where you'd put us. I think most people would put us there as well. I think, see, my point of view of this is, is I've never seen us that high up. Mm. And you look at teams like Cowden have gone up, Breakin have gone up, Arbroath, Alwa, Dumbarton, Air of Yoyod. You know, there's, there's, there's loads of teams that are similar to ours that have made the jump up. Granted, they've come back down, but I would just like to have the experience of, of playing bigger teams on a more regular basis rather than watching us against Forfar again, Airdrie again, Peterhead again. You know, it's just the chance to maybe test ourselves in, in something a little bit better. But I think you want to do that on a on a massively sound footingly. Yeah. I mean, 
the, the big problem when Michael and I, and possibly Gordon, uh, might know a bit, bit better about the Archibald era when we got promoted. I mean, I think by all accounts, what he was requesting from the board was just absolutely not sustainable. And it was the board sort of digging their heels and going, look, I know you want to turn full time and I get why you want to do it, but we will fold if we do this because the team isn't good enough. And, you know, I think, albeit it was controversial, I think the board were probably bang on because there might not be any strike now if Archibald got his way yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, I've never massively subscribed to the Archie God thing. I think what he did was phenomenal, but I think what he was asking us to do was potentially lethal. Um, and I think he tried then to do that Airdrie in the same sort of vein. But I, um, I, I just think, you know, I, I begged the question about, right, okay, you want rid of Darren Young for whatever reason, who's coming in? And it's this, oh, let's bring Gary Naismith and Kevin Smith as a, as a dream team. But in what point is that like a, a normal thing? Kevin Smith's never managed a football team in his life. I think he'll become a manager. I would love him to be a future East 5 manager, but not now. And Gary Naismith's never taken us higher than Darren Young has. I think, you know, Gary won the league below after taking us down and not, maybe not through his fault of his own, but it's that like, he's not got this God status in any way. I think he took us back to where we should have been. And I think that's, I just, I just wish sometimes these five fans would just go, it's okay to be where we are and we would love it to be better. Of course we would. Every fan would love us to be better, but we could be a hell of a lot worse. We absolutely could be. And it's, it's not a million miles stretch from being a lot worse. So just give them a little bit of faith. Give, you know, give them stick when they need stick if we've had a bad performance. I've done it. We've all done it. But the bottom line is that's our management team. And for me, that's the management team we should have in place and go with it and just embrace it and let it happen. And, you know, if we're suddenly 10 points adrift, okay, I'll, I'll be the first to call for his head if we're 10 points adrift. But we won't be. We absolutely won't be. Three cheers for Doug Perry, everybody. I think that's probably one of the best shouts that we've had on the, the shout. I almost heard the Braveheart music playing in the background there. But the hairs were standing on the... No, they weren't because I'm bald. But, you know, let's be honest, that we were pretty much bang on there. I think that Darren and Tony are, are good at what they do. We're three points off fourth place. If, if we win our game in hand, we're right back into the mix. We've said all season it was going to be one of everybody beats everybody. If we look at our squad... I'm still confident that we'll be there or thereabouts. I think that we'll likely be fifth or sixth. I would accept that. I would accept that if you gave me it at the start of the season. You know, we are a middle-of-the-road League One team. And, you know, that I absolutely hate people calling for a, a manager's head at our level because we are where we're, we're probably meant to be and, and Darren Young's done a great job if we have a look at how we've done against bigger teams the wins over the Rovers and it's the same people like get Darren Young out I guess Darren, Darren like, are you on the same planet as everybody else you know we're, we're not going to get rid of Darren Young who would we bring him you know I, I've seen people saying Stuart Petrie Stuart Petrie is not going to make a linear move to his five is he of course he's not who are we going to bring in? Gary Naismith again, like Doug said. Don't get me wrong, I liked Gary and I would take him back. I, I, I did like the style of football that we played under him. But equally, would he be able to have any more acumen to take us forward? If he was as good as people are saying he is, he would be back in the game already because there's been opportunities to come back in that he hasn't had. So 
I don't think that there's anybody else that's going to be better than Darren. And like Doug, Doug said, until we are languishing in second place, second bottom or bottom, massively adrift everybody else, there's no need to be ha- even having that conversation just now. Definitely. Just always remember, we are the black and gold. We're the middle of the third tier of Scottish football, and you're no. As I think the song goes, I might have been paraphrasing a little bit there. We'll just wrap up our chat for today's game with two bits. We'll do our three to one in a sec, but start off, Gordon, by just saying we've looked at the positives. I guess the big maybe concern that you could take out of today was the fact that we didn't score more. We had those chances. Now you can put some of it down to some resolute for for defending because they were throwing themselves at the ball and getting lots of blocks in. Wouldn't mind seeing the stats for for blocks because in the first half in particular, they just seemed to be blocking everything. Even the second goal, they managed to to block the first two attempts. Any concerns there that we didn't put the the ball away more or happy that we're just creating those chances? I think think you always take creating, you know, you always take a, you'll always take the situation that you create a lot of chances, you take a few of them, you win the game. You've got to be happy about that. Um, I mean, I suppose it is, it's two home games in a row where you you kind of feel like we've won both of them 2-0, but we could have won by more. But I think it's one of these things, you know, how many times do you see, you know, if you see somebody beat us 2-0, you'll go and pine Bovril, you know, Airdrie beat us 2-0. There'll be Airdrie fans being like, could have been six. And you think, ah, you know, if you'd converted every single good chance you had, it would have been six nil. But when does a team ever do that? Um, I think Lee mentioned it earlier. A lot of the chances we had, you know, they weren't easy chances. They weren't clear cut. They were maybe half chances. I, I thought today we were kind of shooting on sight a little bit more than we usually do. Um, so, you know, the ball breaks to Wallace at the edge of the box. He takes a snapshot and it goes over the bar. You know, there's a tendency to say, well, that could have gone in and it could have been 3 0. But, you know, I think, this, you know, you watch football and you, everyone knows that very rarely do you have a game where, you know, you create six or seven chances and you score five of them. That, that very rarely happens. So, as long as we're winning, you know, if if we got beat today, if we created all these chances and got beat one nil, there's a tendency to feel that's more of a problem. But if we're dominating games, creating lots of chances, not taking all of them, I, I struggle to I struggle to kind of find that a problem. Um, but obviously, you know, if it if it keep continues being a problem and we drop points, then yeah, that, that's that's a whole different thing. But I mean, just a quick update. It looks like, talking about the, the lockdown, professional sport is exempt from the lockdown. So it looks like football is going to continue, unlike what's happening in Northern Ireland. And I believe Wales as well seems to have stopped sport now. So it looks like we are going to have a, a game next week now, Lee. Did you have any concerns that we didn't score more or do you agree with Gordon that it's better to at least be creating it and if you put put a couple away, even if you win 1-0, it's still a 1-0 win. Yeah, look, points are more important important than than goal difference, let's be honest. I would rather that we won 2-0 and miss a a load of chances than lost 1-0. You know what I mean? That makes 
no sense to, to stress over the chances that we missed when we won 2 0. So I, I think that the big thing for me is we go into next week, if, if there is a game, and we go into next week and Dumbarton look a team very, very similar position to ours where home form seems okay, everything else is a bit sort of wonky. So I fancy us next week. I do. I think that if, if we could get a, a rerun together at two, three wins, that's when we'll start to see the really strife. Look what Montrose are doing. Montrose have just went into a couple of wins where they've, they've sort of, mm. the back of our game, they've, they've went into a few games where they've won and they're just picking up that momentum now. And then you look at Cove, Cove started the, team, the, team, the, the season really, really well. And now they're dropping points constantly throughout the weeks. So, yeah, a couple couple of wins under our belt. I, I think we, we definitely need to win next week um, for the, the four-third game coming up. Uh, sorry, the, the Falkirk game coming up um, because I, I I can't see us winning that one. No. I mean, do you feel confident heading into next week, Doug, with what you saw creating-wise today? Um, yeah, but in the, in the same breath, I was very confident going into the Peterhead game that we would get something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think... I think just gas something from an away game. Get it's a little hoodoo going on just now that we want to get rid of. If that's a point away at Dumbarton, I definitely am not going to say I would take that because I think we're more than capable of getting three, but it wouldn't be a disaster. We, we just got to get this monkey off our back. We're we're um we're playing great football at home. Uh, we're just not replicating our weight at all. So it, it, it's a big game. I th- I think with Dumbarton's result today. I think Darren's message to the boys will be if, if like get on that front foot from the very first whistle and put them under big pressure, and if you can get a goal early doors, you, you could beat them comfortably. Mm. You know that that, that losing four now. I think it was at home, wasn't it, Dunbarton? No, they were away. They were away. Yeah. Even still, you know, losing four 0 If you get off to a bad start in the next game, you, you, your arse falls out of you. So it, it's a big. It's a big start to that game and really put a marker down. And and you suddenly win two games in a row and you've got Falkirk at home and that Falkirk team who seem pretty invincible, invincible, I'd like to apologise for that word, which is not one, <laughs> <laughs> um, which are pretty invincible, suddenly become less so. If you, you know, confidence, I actually text that to a, a, a mate of mine uh, about the game today. See when you you can just see confidence in a football team, and and within ten minutes of that game today, you thought we're starting to strut here. There's real, there's that realization that a four for a pish, and b you know this is our patch and we're going to dominate this game, and it just started to ooze around the whole team, and you know even like you know the resolute Higgins had a couple of moments of nervousness, but only caused by absolute confidence like too much you know just where it's like yeah this I'm going to pick this out of the sky I'm one on one with this guy and I'll I'll nod it back to the goalie and got himself you know but that's just because you get that serious confidence about you and that's where I think if if we win next week I, I would actually fancy us to take someone off Falkirk because confidence is massive yeah massive especially in a tight league yeah momentum like once you've got a run going as well, you feel, oh yeah, we're... I, I had an interesting discussion with a journalist here who didn't believe momentum was a thing and that it's just all mental. And that folk just use that as a crutch, but there's no such thing as momentum. I think there is, especially in sport. I think 
once you go on a run, you've got that confidence. Whether it's a real thing or whether it is maybe just a mental thing, it's there in some capacity. Because if you're getting wins and you're stringing things together, you have confidence. And I think we have got confidence now going in, into next week. And it should be a game that we've definitely got a chance of taking three points from. I, talking of three points, let's quickly go around and do our three, two, ones, and then add in any other little final comments you want from the game. So let's start with Gordon. Who's your three, two, one for today? Bit easier this week than perhaps last week. It's easier because a lot of. A lot more players had a good game, but I, I did find it quite difficult because I felt there was maybe five or six players mm. that all were fairly similar. I mean, I, ex- I expect a lot of us to disagree here and have different three two ones, but I've gone for three for Chris Higgins. He was he was just class. You know, there was a maybe a mistake or two in the second half, but he kind of cruised through that game. Uh, two for Ryan Wallace. Um, Again, particularly second half, thought he was very good. Um, a, a lot of good link-up play. Um, just good again. And the one for Liam Watt, I thought he made a big difference to the midfield. A lot of energy. Um, ah, it just makes a difference having him in there. Um, but ah, there was another two or three that easily could have got in there. Uh, certainly a few in, in the mix today, Lee. Who's your 3-2-1? Three, three points got to be Liam Watt. I thought he was outstanding. Best player in the park for a mile for me. He's here, he's there, he's every and where is Liam Watt. He, he, I don't think he put a foot wrong pretty much most of the game. Second of all, has got to go to, you know, the, my other half, the, the real love of my life, Ryan Wallace. I, I, I just think that the guy stands out like a sore thumb every single week. Anytime he gets something the ball, you, you know that, that there's something's going to be happening. There's going to be a chance to be created. Whatever his new role in the team is, I like it. Um, I know that I'll probably get a message from Tony McMinn um, taking the utter piss out of me um, for my love affair with, with Ryan Wallace. Um, but yeah, I think that he was he was excellent today and it was a shame that he didn't get a goal. Um, I'm going to give my one point to Scott Agnew, um, who I think has had a bit of a, a tough time um, so far this season, and particularly from us. I think that we've, we've been on his back. But I thought it, it was good to see him He's maybe not the most deserving of the one point, but it was just more to see, you know what, he's, he's good to see him get more in uh, his, his old sort of playing style and back to himself. And I thought his goal was very unfairly. Yeah, down. I was going to say, he did have the ball in the back of the net. I'd like to see that one again. Yeah, I, I think he, he deserved a goal today. Um, some of his touches, his crossfield passing that, that he's so good at, that he hasn't been good at so far this season. Um, I think, he, yeah, he definitely deserved... A point, and and hopefully it's it's a catalyst for change for him, and we get to start to see a little bit more um, of a return to form from Scott. Also, don't forget, Lee. Uh, just a and just a reminder with Christmas coming up. Make sure you share those pictures of Rachel wearing that Ryan Wallace face mask that that you got her, because that that should be interesting to see. No, no, that that's only on for for night time. That's not for for social. Eyes only. <laughs> yeah. Honest, yeah. Um, if if I could leave my message for Ryan Wallace, I wouldn't have it. Doug, you're you're three two one. I have no other comment to say on that, really. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Liam Watt, trois points. Lee Watt, oui, oui. I'm I'm with Lee. I I thought this guy needs to play for us every single week. He's the engine. He's the get stuck in, he's 
and he was playing, he wasn't playing in his normal position either. I, I thought he was exactly what we needed and everything, you know, it got the midfield going for once, like generally did, which leads me on to my two points, which is Scott Agnew. I thought Agnew just, I was, I loved, like, I think he dived like, probably for a potential penalty after about 10 minutes. But just to see him up that far, and it wasn't like a bombardment of pressure, it was just a normal ball up to the front too. But to see him get there, I thought it was huge. And he would, I just thought he did everything. I thought he was he was properly more the, the Scott Agnew that we know. And the fact that my three and two are two centre midfielders or what they were playing that day is, is very much testament to our performance today. I thought that Scott Agnew almost back to his best. As Lee said, he, he picked up balls and he, he pinged balls and he, he just, there was a real control about the game and it centered. I, I felt it centered around him and Watt, which was which was massive. I actually had originally given Hamilton two straight after the game, and then about five minutes later, I gave him none. So I'll give him a quick note. Note just for uh, it, I thought his finish for the first goal was class, absolute class. Just held it up against the defender and just went right. I'm just going to do this swivel and score. Done. Simple as that. My one point's going to go to Chris Higgins. I'll give him a wee. Uh, I'll give him a wee um, word of uh, caution. There was definitely a couple of times where he was a little bit over Rolls Royce, mm-hmm. um, where he, he, he almost tried to do something that he didn't need to do at all and got himself in a wee bit of trouble, but generally kind of mops up well. But I mean, that would, he won't have an easier game, but I just think he was, uh, he's, he's such a class player. He really is a classy, yeah. classy centre half. Um, but I, I, I could have given it to several players. I, I generally, I, I thought we were, we're we're slagging off four for a lot today, which we're, I think we're right to do. If there's any four for fans listening, you know you're you're going to get relegated. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but but the bottom line is, we were very good today. We were very good today, and we could have won five or six nil today, and we wouldn't have batted an eyelid against it. So so it's 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 fair play to the. The management and the players, I thought I thought we were excellent. Yeah, it goes back to what I said. It's like, we're four for that bad, or did we just make them look bad? And it's a little bit of both, although they are bad. So many players, it's tough to kind of like split them up. No one really was head and shoulders above anyone else. Funny that you said that about Hamilton, because initially I had him, oh, three goals for the match, the, the goal of the game. Then he dropped down to two points for me, and I actually have him at one now. So he's dipped down my thing as well since the game finished. Three, I'm going to go with Watt as well. Two, Wallace. I, I just thought he had a few just bursts today that that were spectacular. But Higgins nearly made my 3-2-1 as well because I, I thought he was good. And it was just those couple of little lapses that kind of took him out the 3-2-1 for me. But I mean, this is what you want. You want it to be tough to pick the 3-2-1 because there's so many guys that could make the 3-2-1 and not because of what's happened recently of I'm struggling to to pick three players that even deserve points. So that's something to build on. We've got Dumbarton next week. Quick look at the results today. And it's been a it's a good job we got our three points because it's been a, a Saturday of surprises. Starting up at Cove, Clyde coming away with a 3-2 win. Now, David Goodwillie, put them ahead in the 12th minute. 
But then Meganson came storming back for Cove, two goals in five minutes to put them up 2-1 at half time. So you think they're going to go on then and get the job done. But then Goodwillie gets another penalty for Clyde in the 56th minute. And then Mark Lamont wins it in the 91st minute for Clyde. And that's a massive, massive win for Clyde. Down at the bottom of the table, down with us. And I mean, it, it keeps them in touch with the rest of the league. So that's a, a big one for them. Only four games played today because Falkirk and Airdrie are playing on Sunday due to some structural damage to a, a floodlight <coughs> at Falkirk Stadium. We obviously got the 2-0 win. Montrose, the big winners today, 4-0 over Dumbarton, 3-0 up at half time, and then sealed a 4-0 victory five minutes from time. Punching above their weight, maybe. I mean, I'd like to see a bit more of Montrose. They're certainly talking of confidence and momentum and being in a, in a bit of a run. And then the other big surprise, obviously buoyed by their win over East Fife last week, Peter Head coming away from Fur Hill with a 1-0 win. Brown getting the only goal in the 30th minute. I mean, Partick, so up and down this season, but again, huge, huge win for Peter Head there. How that leaves the standings, you've got Falkirk out on top, game in hand at the moment, four points clear. Montrose second now, 16 points. Partick third and 14. Cove fourth and 13. Then it's so tight. Peterhead 12. Dumbarton 11. Airdrie 10. Ourselves 10. We both have a game in hand. Airdrie's though is uh, against Falkirk tomorrow. Then Clyde's on nine with two games in hand. And then four for one game in hand. Five getting cut adrift at the bottom. That, that's what you want. You want a team to, to get cut adrift especially because, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen at the end of the season. If the season will finish, if more lockdowns will happen, if sport might get cancelled. My question on that, actually, to, to everyone, because obviously sometimes I, I miss things with being over here. Did they announce at all what's going to happen if they have to curtail the season? I know they were going to discuss it, but did they ever actually come up with anything? I, I don't, I've not heard anything. I'm the same. I think... The last thing I heard was that they were going to talk about it. You know, they were going to have to decide something before um, before it got too far. Because if you don't decide something, you know, if you decide something at New Year and you say, okay, if we play a certain number of games, then if the season has to get curtailed, it's going to stand. That's fine. That's one thing. Everyone knows where they are. Whereas what happened last season is just, you know, you're having to make the decision after the last game was played. So... Mm. You don't know where you are. I mean, it, it, to me, it would be fair to say, you know, if we get to 18 games, which is you play everyone home and away once, if we have to curtail, you do it on points per game. And that's fair. You know, everyone knows what the rules are. But if we get to 22 games and then it gets curtailed, like last season, I actually thought we were really hard done by because at the end, once everyone had played 27 games, we were fourth. Mm -hmm. We went away to Airdrie and got beat. Montrose played at home to Stranraer and won, and that put them ahead of us. Yeah. We didn't play the same games as them. There was an argument for take it back to the 27 when everyone had played everyone three times. Um, but no, as far as I've heard, they've not decided anything. That That's insane. Like That should have been decided long before now. I mean, you've had weeks and months to, to sort this out before the season, and it's like, that's just 
crazy. I thought I'd missed it, but obviously I should know better from Scottish football. I would think they probably have, though. I mean, they've maybe just, just not, not told, told anyone. Yeah. Yeah, no, they've maybe just not told the general public, but I would think there will definitely be. I mean, if there's not, it's. I know it's Scottish football, but we're not that bad. I would think there'll be something in place, you know, give or take. I Personally, it should be just on home for. <laughs> I'm all for that as well, yeah. Thank you. And, cool. and I think that what will likely happen is Breakin will get an automatic promotion. <laughs> um, for, for some bewildering reason, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find a loophole in the, fit, in the hedge that they'll, they'll get a cheeky little promotion out of it. And Hearts will go down in the Lowlands <laughs> yeah, of course, because, you know, there's definitely a, a conspiracy against the Jambos. Well, Kelty will avoid promotion again, which now makes me think that Lee is actually serving on this panel that's deciding these things. Mm. If that was the case, then they would be banished. They would be <laughs> banished from eternity. You know, if, as soon as I get to power, believe me, my first order of merit will be to nuke Kelty. Wow, that you, you do know that if you nuke Kelty you will probably get hit with the, the effects off the blast, but... Worth it. Okay. <laughs> All joking aside, nah. <laughs> um, maybe not a nuke, that was maybe slightly harsh. Maybe just bulldoze the ground or something, I don't know. So, I mean, we've, we've learned a, a lot about Lee so far in tonight's show. Coming out of the closet, wanting to leave his wife for Ryan Wallace. All for genocide as well, with nuclear destruction. Um, doesn't matter if he dies in it as well. I mean, it's it's, it's very telling. I think it's a good time to maybe take a little break from, from talking about football now and just get something else that is really criminal, which is some of Lee's musical tastes. As we get come to this week's Have You Heard? I think the fact that you're calling my music taste criminal is probably worse than the fact that we're going into Tier 4 lockdown, Michael. That is an absolute travesty. <laughs> Um, aside of that, however, um, I do have a good song for you all this weekend. You and for do. those that are on my, my social media feed will know that I'm a, a big fan of a local lad and an East Fife fan, Cameron Barnes, um, who has done his own version of A Fairy Tale of New York. If you've not listened to it, we're about to bring it to you. And Doug's nodding his head as he gnaws on a chicken wing by the looks of things, and, and he thoroughly likes it too. So here it is it's Cameron Barnes with A Fairy Tale of New York. It was Christmas Eve, Mum, and the drunk tank. An old man said to me, Won't see another one. And then he sang a song, The Real Mountain Dew. I turned my face away. And I dreamed about you Got on a lucky one Came in 18 to 1 I've got a feeling This year's for me and you So happy Christmas I love you baby I could see a better time when, when all our 
dreams come true They've got cars big as bars They've got rivers of gold But when the wind goes right through you It's no place for the old When you first took my hand On that cold Christmas Eve You promised me Broadway was waiting for me You were handsome You're pretty Queen of New York City <laughs> When the band finished playing They howled out for more Sinatra was swinging All the drunks they were singing We laughed on the corner And danced through the night And the boys in the NYPD choir Were singing Go And the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day. I could have been someone. Well, so could anyone. You took my dreams from me When I first found you I kept them with me, Mum I put them with my own Can't make it all I've built my dreams around you And the boys in the NYP And the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day. It is good. I might play that on my show either this week or different, if not this week, next week for our, our Christmas one. A big shout out to Blythe Duff as well of uh, Taggart fame for the uh, the other part in that song as well, to be fair. Yeah, she's nah, very, very good in it. <laughs> she's a very, <laughs> very talented lady. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good version of it. I enjoyed it. It's a nice heartwarming video as well. I obviously prefer the original Pogue song. And then has anyone heard Pete and Diesel's one from last year, Fairy Tale Stornaway? Loved that. That was absolutely fantastic. I'll play that on our Christmas show then for, for everyone if you haven't heard it. Really got in it, Pete and Diesel, because my, my good friend Stevie Llewellyn, who speaks Gaelic, had actually switched me on to them and loved them. Bought both their albums and made them Artist of the Month over here, which I'm not quite sure what people made of me playing Gaelic songs over here. But some folk did agree with Lee and said it's better than some of the other stuff that I play. I think if you've not if you've not seen the video for Cameron Barnes and uh, Blythe Duff's um, version, it's it's well worth watching. It's very it is a very heartwarming video, I must say, for, uh, especially in, in the in the times we're going through just now. So check it out on YouTube, get the views up, and uh, get a local lad more famous than he is already. Yeah, and just remind everyone. 
Lee of the East Fife connections with Cameron? Yeah, so I believe that um, Cameron Barnes is related to Jim Stevenson. I can't remember the. the I think exact... you said that is like nephews or something, yeah. possibly, or. Yeah, it's something like that. Jim Stevenson's related to him. So hopefully, once we get all this nonsense over, maybe we could get Cameron to do a gig at Bayview alongside Glory Days of Gold, since we're such big advocates of him and all the proceeds go to the club. Yeah, and of course, the, the new royal family will be coming up to, to play a gig at Bayview as well. But more about that in our, in our Christmas special. A little bit more football chat just now. And I want to talk about the the money that was finally handed out to Scottish football this week. The Scottish government grants were decided. £55 million, I think it is, is going to sport, £30 million of which is going to football. Premier teams can apply for a low-interest loan, but the bulk of the money is getting given to the, the lower league teams. And some interesting stuff here, because there's definitely been some clubs screwed over, Partick Thistle, and there's been some clubs hugely benefiting from this, as in Wraith Rovers, because championship teams are all going to get £500,000 each, half a million pounds to every championship team. Thinking of that being is that they're full-time, they've got higher budgets, etc., etc. Now, obviously... There's a couple of full-time teams in League One and they are only getting £150,000. So at East Fife, we get £150,000, as we talked about, at least doubled now by our board putting that money on the win today over Forfer. So great thinking by them. And League Two teams are getting 100000 Do you feel that was a, a fair split, guys? I'll just kind of throw this open to... Let's start with Doug, actually. Do you feel that was a fair split? 500, 150, and then 100? Um, wow, okay. Um, I, if, you're one, if you're asking, should Wraith Rovers get 500,000 and we get 150? <laughs> um, I'll say absolutely not. F the Rovers, horrible bastards. Um, well, let's put it another way. Should Wraith Rovers get 500,000 and, and Partick Thistle get 150? Look, I, I don't think there's, there's there's no winners in this this conversation. I, I think um, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the hierarchy of Scottish football of who should, you know, um, are Wraith Rovers a much bigger club than East Fife or are Inverness Cali a much bigger club than Cowdenbeath? You, you can't win. I think the fact that we're getting help in general is is the big issue here. Um, yeah, it's so difficult. Very, very difficult. Um, I guess their expenditure will be higher than us, you would think, because they've got uh, you know higher wages and whatnot. So, you know, there's no right or wrong answer here. I think if if it had been flipped over the other side, there would have been Rovers and Inverness Cali fans going absolutely mental at that thought. So, yeah, look. I, I think it's a big jump, but I, I get it. I, I think as long as we're getting help and as long as it's going in the right places, we, 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 we can't argue about it, really. Lee? I would have said that a fairer way to have done it would have been on your average attendance. Because if it's just, mm. it, for the way that it's been pitched, it looks like it was to about the loss of spectator money. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know... It would probably would have affected his fife in the pocket and Liam Anderson will probably be screaming at his mobile phone right now, like, what are you saying? But 
would it not have been a little bit more fairer to, to split the money based on your attendance so that that way you were getting a, an equivalent as what your income would have been anyway? Yeah, because I thought that was what it was meant to have been based on originally. And then it's just like a flat blanket thing, which, yeah, I mean, some clubs are going to be really better off than if they were playing, realistically, yeah. if you look at it. Probably us included in that. Hmm. We'll, we'll probably be included in that, but... If, if we're talking about sustainability in football and to try to avoid clubs going to the wall, if you're, and I don't know these figures off the top of my head, but say you're Greenock Mont and you're getting 2,000 people through the door and they're the one of the clubs that are going closer to the wall, shouldn't you get more of a shout than maybe Arbroath who are maybe going to be getting 600 through the door? I, I, that seems a fair way of doing it, Gordon. I mean, what, what's just your overall feelings on it? It's tough because I totally agree with Doug. Like, if you... If you know, if you if you get someone and you say, right, I want you to come up with the fairest way to do this, any solution you come up with will have some people going absolutely mental, and they will be able to pick holes in it. They will be able to say, you know, why should this club get that and that club get that? So you, there is no perfect solution. I would say that it, I would also agree that just getting the money is great for clubs. Like that's good, and as an East Fife fan, I'm not going to turn up my nose at 150 grand because Wraith and Aloha get more. And um, it does seem very uneven between mm-hmm. the championship. You know, they've basically gone, all right, the championship, we're going to absolutely throw money at them, and then League One and League Two, ah, no difference. And yeah, because don't don't the championship teams also then get the TV revenue money because their games are shown once a week and stuff. Does anyone think the championship teams would be getting half a million quid if Hearts weren't in the championship? That's you know a I mean? very good point, actually. I never even thought of that, but yeah. Like you know, I think, I, sorry, I, th- I think the TV, I think the TV money is absolutely minuscule, though. I, I don't think oh, it's really? it's like Rangers. It's like when Rangers were going through the leagues, it was like it's it's almost not even worth budgeting. I, I don't think it's I don't think TV money is and budgeting. Yeah, but the, the, the Hearts thing is, is massive, though. Yeah, it's a good point, Gordon. I'd never never actually thought about that. Uh, there have been talks this week, clubs close to going to the wall. Morton was a, a team that was mentioned that they, they could be in financial peril. They, their manager resigned to, to make things financially better for them this week. I'm genuinely surprised that there hasn't been more clubs, Scotland and England actually, Gordon, that, that's kind of been hit really hard financially so far. I mean, we might start to see it toppling into 2021 if fans aren't getting back anytime soon. This money, though, should hopefully keep the, the wolves from the door for the clubs that are really, really close to it. Yeah, I think, you know, at the start of this, there was a lot of, you know, you did hear a lot about clubs going to the wall. You know, just generally, coronavirus in general, I think, you know, one, it's very difficult to predict. So in the summer, there's a lot of people saying, you know, you go on Pine Bovril and you get these people, you know, these know-it-alls who are like, oh, you know, we're going to lose half the clubs in Scottish football. And they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, even people who do know what they're talking about, I imagine will find it very difficult to, to look three, four, five months into the future. So that, that that was always my thinking that um, you know these predictions of doom that all these clubs are going to fold. 
There always isn't Scottish football. It was like that up in Rangers. Oh, you can't take them out of the Premier. All these clubs are going to go to the wall. No club yeah. went to the wall. I mean, when, when was the last time a part-time club in Scotland went bust? I, I can't even name one. Probably ever. Clyde Bank. Well, no, Airdrie, but then Clyde Bank took them over. Well, or vice versa, Airdrie took over Clyde Bank. Airdrie went bust and they were full time, and then they oh, bought they, oh. Clyde Bank, who were part time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and yeah, I forgot they were full time when they went bust. Says, oh, it's the, it's the small clubs that are going to uh, have a lot of problem, but it's always the full time clubs that it's always the bigger clubs that overstretch themselves yeah. to get into these problems. Um, and you know, I, I don't know the figures. It's, it's the same thing. You know, we can we can talk about financial stuff in Scottish football. You know, you can always talk about this team are spending all this money, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you never see the accounts and you never know. So you're always going on kind of hearsay. Um, but it, it looks promising. It, I mean, I know maybe Morton. You know, there's there's maybe a bit of, a bit of trouble there, but it certainly looks a bit better than some people were predicting a few months ago. I don't think we've got, I don't think in Scottish football though we've got that pound to chase. So like in, in England, you know, clubs in the top half of League One and Championship, they, they're just chasing this ridiculous dream and this ridiculous bounty that the, the English Premiership holds. Yeah. We don't have that in Scotland. So I, I'm not that surprised that nobody's gone to the wall because I generally... I think clubs very much, you know, play within their means and I don't think they're risking, you know, that much because there's generally just not much to risk. Like, you you know, your your gains aren't as big as the falls could be. So why put yourself in that thing? Like East Fife, you know, being the example, you know, we push, 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 push to become a, you know, once every 10 seasons mid-table championship team what are we actually gaining from that in terms of pushing yourself financially against, you know, possible issues down the line? There's no carrot. There's no carrot to get to the Premier League, I don't think. You know, in the main, obviously you've got your Celtic Rangers, but it's different to England. I think England's got that big push. If you get the Premiership, the the rewards are just ridiculous. And so oh, clubs yeah. will risk their well-being to try and achieve that it's definitely not the same in Scotland so I think that's probably why generally people are on a sound the fact that Morton are the only club we've really heard of that are potentially in trouble this far down is actually is quite surprising and probably quite impressive anything you want to say in that Lee? I think it's been certainly covered excellent Let's get to this week's Wavelength song there. I mean, we all love football. It's a bit of a, a drug to many of us. We can't live without it. Hopefully, we'll be getting back to games at some point to experience it live. So in, in knowledge of that, I thought I would head over to Switzerland for this week's Wavelength. It's a, a song from 2003 by Swiss punk band Vanilla Muffins. This is from their album, The Drug Is Football. And it's the title track, The Drug Is Football. What's the reason for your life? It's nearly poison 
Vanilla muffins there. The drug is football. It's a drug to everyone. That's why we love it. We love talking about it. We love getting you guys talking about it. What's our mailbag been like this week, Lee? A relatively full sack this week, which seems just perfect. Excellent for Christmas. Yeah, excellent timing for Christmas. Gordon's smiling there and looking at the sky, probably thinking about the last time he had a full sack. But I thought he was, he was looking for Santa arriving. Oh, Maybe. I, was, I don't know if he's hearing the jingle bells. It's either that or the amount of beers that he's sloshing down, but we'll, we'll find out soon enough. So um, one from our, our, our friend Ian um, on Twitter. So he talked a little bit about um, Sunstinger being played last week, which seems to be getting a, a universal thumbs up once more, that people seem to be liking a lot of their stuff. Um, and then he goes on and gives a comprehensive rundown of every piece of scram that he's had at a football match across the UK and Europe. So... I think that we'll maybe save some of it for future shows, but I don't know if anybody knows, uh, noticed, but on Twitter this week, there seems to be somebody that's plagiarised part of our yes. podcast. Asked that question and it went bloody viral. So not, not happy about that. Not happy about that, but we're going to take the kudos from being the catalyst for that conversation. But yeah, um, he says that some of the things that he's had across the Orient um, was he had a cheaper at the... Cherana, the Cerro Porteño versus Tacre in the Ascension Vendors uh, Stadium. So there you go. I don't know what that is, and maybe Ian can elaborate. I, I'm, I'm impressed with your pronunciation. I thought I'll just leave this one to you. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, he then he's had endless bratwurst and inadequately said Brückchen, which is German for bread. Um, yeah, brat, bratwursts are massive at German football. That's like their pies. Are you partial to a big sausage, Michael? I, I, I've had a few big sausages in my time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another one. Um, 
that he says he had he also developed a weird affection for Meta on a trip to the Wiesbaden in the three. I have no idea what that means, but again, these are just words now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Ian can elaborate what these are, but he also talked about Mesomix, and I thought I would bring this to anybody. Have you ever heard of Mesomix or know what it is, Doug? That's a negative 10 for Roger. I've told you before, it's Lee. Um, what about yourself there, Gordon? Never heard of Mesomix? Never heard of it, no. So in Germany, it's half Coca Cola and half Fanta. Now, you're screwing your face up. Try it. The next time you're at Nando's or one of these places you can get multiple different ones, 10 out of 10 would recommend. It's actually very nice. You've had it? Yeah. I've been to Germany. I'll be the first to suggest, if you go to Germany and you're swithering what to drink, they've got some fantastic beers. I mean, top-notch, top-notch beers. Do not, I repeat, do not waste your time on half Coke, half Fanta. You know, that's meant. Well, that, that's why I recommended that you drank it in a Nando's in the UK. Obviously, if you're in Germany, you, you get yourself a large stein of Hoffenbrau, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, and yeah, apart apart from that, there's not been too much. We had some um, messages from Craig Brown, who said that he loved the show again this week. So hello to Craig. You seem to be a much bigger uh, fan of me than your dad is. So thanks for always being on Team Lee, and I'll not tell him what you said about him. So I'll leave that to you. Um, we've had a few people talking about wanting to bring the interviews back. It is something that we are looking to do in the new year. It's just been a pretty busy time for, for Michael and I. We've not managed to get too much in. Apart from that, not an awful lot, but I've got a question to ask each of you. And it's oh, a Christmas-related question. Before so it's uh, next Friday morning. You've got your little pyjamas on and your house coat or your dressing gown or whatever you want to call it. You go down the stairs and you look at your tree. If you could have any present for East Fife, i.e. as in a player from another team in our division, who would you take and why? I'll, I'll kick that off, all these guys are thinking. Mitch Megason from Cove Rangers, easily. Him and Hamilton up front, we would be walking this league. I think we'd be premier. That's a, a, pretty, a pretty good front too. Gordon's looking perpetually perplexed. Well, he can't get the thought of Ryan Wallace and your stockings out of his head, and it's just kind of traumatised him, I think. Now you've just put Ryan Wallace in stockings in my head, and that's just going to be buried in there forevermore. I would like to clarify, by the way, this is completely tongue-in-cheek, and I'm happily married to a woman, and before that gets blown out of proportion. I was wondering where your tongue was going, but that's okay. Nice of you to clear that up. Ryan, I love you in a completely platonic, manly, you score goals for, and create chances for my team type of way, I assure you. If he was Doug, terrified, like when he met you at the safari park before hearing this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, Ryan. What about yourself, Doug? Uh, I would like to sign James Penrice. I think he's a Spanish guy from Park Thistle. Yeah. Uh, mainly because the Park fans actually don't rate him. And he was, I thought he was quality when he was with us on yeah. loan. Uh, so I'll have the Spanish guy, James Penrice. See, yeah, I, just just to to translate that for Michael, who isn't about when James played for us, that's James Penrice from Patrick Thistle, Michael. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> I just thought I would make sure that you were aware of that. Gordo, what are you wanting? Well. Given that last week I said if we were going to sign someone, it would be a left-back, I'd also go a left-back, but I'd go with Andrew Steves from Montrose. 
Um, someday that you know, I Disney Disney seem to get linked to bigger clubs or get a lot of headlines. But I've always been impressed with them. I thought, particularly last season at Bayview, he was fantastic. Did not give us a sniff, and I thought, ah, I, I would I would take that. I'll take him. So yeah, I'll go for him. It was a tough decision for me this year, um, but I think that I would really like to, to sign Nathan Lawson if it was from outside of our division. But Which wasn't even the question you asked, but okay. Yes. If you let me finish, Michael, that was outside of the parameters. But I'm actually going to join you, Michael. Mitch Meganson would be my ideal sign-in. I think that he's a, a great player. Doug's shaking his head. Um, I think he played for the Rovers. He played for the Rovers. Fuck him. So did Johnny Russell. Well, can we not talk about Johnny Russell for one episode? Mike? No, it's impossible. Okay. And what about he Johnny Smart? He played the Rovers first. Stuff him. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Smart was. He was young and naive. How old was Mitch Meganson when he played for them? He was twelve. Well, and is that too old in your books? No, you're, you're old enough to know better. <laughs> so just before we go just give a final comment go I'd, just like to give, I'd just like to give a big shout out to Bobby Barr today Bobby you are absolutely pissed today get it right up you I echo Gordon's sentiment get that a resounding right up you Bobby Barr and if it wasn't for the fact that I'm trying to watch my social media presence these days you'd be getting an absolute buddy and your absolute snake any final <laughs> comment from you Doug? Yeah, if he was known as Robert Barr, he would have just been a crap footballer over the generation. He's trying to spice up by being called Bobby Barr, you know, getting that sound of it. He's pesh. He was always pesh and always will be. I genuinely don't even remember hearing his name today. No, it's because he's washed. Hmm, interesting. I'll give you a quick teaser. I'll give you a quick teaser. Spell the Scottish word wash. W-A-S-H? Okay, I'm happy with that. I, I, I use it a lot in text, and it's a tough one to spell because you know you don't want to spell it wash. No, so I, I, mean, I do a double A. Yeah. I go, I always go double A. Fair play, fair play. That's a yeah, fair play. You can oh. triple A for emphasis. Mm. No, Gordon, settle down. <laughs> Everything. That's a good time to let's wrap this show up. So, just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Well, this is our last show before Christmas, so Merry Christmas to all our listeners and thanks for supporting us this year. Just to let you know that there will be no show next week because either A, we'll be in lockdown and there'll be no football, or B, um, Michael wants to have Boxing Day off and doesn't want to record a podcast. So have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and thank you for supporting us throughout 2020. And Lee Gillis, you can find me on Twitter at LeeG1903. You can find us on Instagram. I've not actually posted anything for a while on the Glory Days Ago page. But if we're going to be in lockdown, who knows? I might actually have some time to record some more interviews. So give us a follow across all our social medias. Gordon, where can people find you online? Yeah, you, oh, you can find me on Facebook, Gordon Henderson. You can find me on uh, Twitter. Um, yeah, just, God, just Gordon Henderson again, probably in the comments for here somewhere not hard to find and Doug apart from being on delivery ordering chicken wings and Nando's and getting your mixed drinks where can people find you online sure just Royal Mail Midlock Crescent leaving uh, stamped addressed envelope should get through to me no problem uh, Facebook usual stuff Doug Perry I'll just give a quick shout out to my newly named band which is Got Got Need Music 
you'll find on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. There's almost nothing to go on because we can't record anything, but you know there might be some future stuff in there for you. Uh, and just a big happy new year and Merry Christmas to all the loyal East Fife fans out there and fans of other teams. That's very, very generous of you this festive season. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, also at AFTN website. Read both of AFTN sites, East Fife stuff on AFTN.co.uk and North American Vancouver Whitecap stuff on AFTN.ca. Check us out as well on YouTube and all the other social medias. Thank you, everyone, for being with us this year. Hope you all have a lovely Christmas. Get lots of fun Christmas presents under your tree. Football-related, of course. And we'll be back soon. We're going to have a Christmas special. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.